2 Corinthians chapter number 4, beginning at verse number 4, reading one verse and then we'll kind of tie some things together with the Lord's help. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Father, we thank you this morning for the power of your presence. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are our help and our strength and our power this morning that we need. We surrender to you. We surrender this service, this message to you, that you would open up our hearts and open up our ears to hear and receive the word of God that James said was able to save our soul. I bind rebuke and cause it to come in any effect, any strategy of the enemy that would cause our hearts and minds to wonder. Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear and hearts to receive. And everybody shouted, amen. You can be seated. I want to preach to you this morning on the, just for a little while, treasure in earthen vessel. Look at your neighbor and say, you have a treasure inside of you. Come on, class participation. Look at your neighbor and say, you have a treasure inside of you. I want you to notice that it, the word is singular, not plural. It's not saying you have treasures. It says you have a treasure, something specific that it's talking about. It's not talking about a bunch of things. And you could, uh, you could put things in there that God has put within us. Uh, but according to the scripture, what we're talking about here, there's one specific thing that the Bible says that God had deposited within us. And we're going to get to that in just a moment. But before we do that, how many knows, and it's no surprise, or it should be no surprise to you, that man at his strongest is still weak? How many would agree with that? Man at his best, man at his greatest moment, his greatest achievement, man at his, uh, at his most successful, man no matter what he's achieved in life, he's gone to the moon, he's created uh, uh, vast uh, advances in technology and medical, uh, the fields, and, and even man and all that he's accomplished and all that he's done in his success, at his very best, man is still weak and anemic apart from God. How many would agree with me this morning? Man, the Bible says that man was made in the likeness and the image of God. So I want you to understand this. I'm not, I'm not degrading our weakness. It's we just got to put it into perspective uh, to understand how God's power works through our weakness. It's how God works through, chooses to work through those who find themselves at a place saying, God, I feel inadequate. I don't feel like I have what it takes to do what you've asked me to do. And that's a good place. Because when you get to the place you say, I've got it. I'm all that in a bag of chips and the salsa that goes with it. When you get to that point, I believe that you begin to lose out. You begin to, you begin to lose perspective of who God is and the power of God that is demonstrated through weak lives. And so today, I, regardless of how strong you think you are, I'm still looking at weak, anemic people. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm just going to admit it, I'm weak. Come on. Amen. Yeah, just weak. You, you've heard people say all the time to justify what they do. And so I'm just weak. I couldn't help it. I'm not talking about that you are weak in the aspect that you can't overcome. But apart from God, apart from his strength, apart from the word of God, you can do nothing. Are you witness with me this morning? And so man at his God, and man is God's crowning achievement. 
You think of the worlds and all that God had created, the stars, the moon, and the galaxies, and, and, the, and the rivers, and the mountains, and all the beauty and the majesty of the creation of God. And, and all of the Bible says all the creation does is cry out that there is a God. And in all that crowning achievement, when God made man, he said it was very good. And when God made you, God made you not in the likeness of an angel. God didn't make you in the likeness of a creation, of a tree. But God made you in the likeness of himself. And God breathed into you the breath of life. And man became a living soul, a living spirit. Man become alive. But even the Bible says that man was crowned with glory and honor. Psalms 8 and 4. Man is crowned. With glory and honor. I want you to hear that. And, and, and so I don't want to diminish taking away from the fact that you are who God made you. You are spectacular. You are awesome. There's nobody like you. And your wife said, thank God. <laughs> your kid said, hallelujah. But you're unique. You're, you're, you're an individual. But in all of that... Man is still weak because of sin. Because sin entered in and became weak. We became weak. The Bible says that we, we see our calling that not many strong are called. Did you hear that? Not many noble are called. Not many mighty are called. But God has chosen the base things, the weak things of this earth to confound the things that are mighty, wise, Strong. So I want you to understand that the scripture here is really giving us a paradox. There's a paradox that you read in the scripture because it says, in, in, in the fact that man is weak, man is full of failures, and, and, and understand that the word vessel means that you're just a clay jar, you're just, you're just fallible. You're a clay jar, you're a clay vessel, you're a conduit. Are you following me? You're a channel in which God uses. And it doesn't make no difference if you're fat or skinny or tall or skinny or bald or whatever. That has nothing to do with the fact that God can take weak, insignificant, vulnerable, chipped, cracked, issues, problems, situations, dilemmas that you have in your life. And God, the paradox is that God would take what is weak and yet demonstrate his power and his glory in it. And that's the paradox that we see here that the Bible says we have in this earthen, this weak vessel called flesh. That in this vessel there we contain something that is more powerful than atomic energy, the atomic bomb. We sung about it this morning. That there's the kingdom of God is advancing. And the kingdom of darkness is being beaten back. What we have within us, and we're going to get to that in just a moment, but I want to lay a foundation here to you to understand that we are weak at our best. But have it in the proper perspective that with him, as we sang, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? 
So we're weak, but we can be, we can be instruments of God's power. We can be instruments to show forth the glory and the power and the grace and the mercy of a loving great God. Amen? Amen. I'm glad to know that we can be that. And God is front and center in our life. Eliminating man, what happens is, why, God, why does God use the base and the things that are weak and the things that are frail and the things that are subject to change and making mistakes? Because God at the center of it, God is at the, uh, at the, at, at the apex of our life, eliminating us from boasting. Because the Bible says when we say that not many are called because of their strength or because of their accomplishments, but God has chosen the weak things, the base things, to confound the things that are wise, that no flesh, the Bible says in verse 29, that no flesh would glory in his presence. So what's happening is why does God use us who are weak and who are frail and seem like we can't get it together sometimes? Why, can't, why is it that God would choose you? Because God wants to demonstrate his strength and his power and his glory through weak things. Not that we can stand and say, look at me, but that we might be able to stand and say, to the glory of God the Father. To him to be the praise and the glory. Paul found this out and he said, God, I, I've asked you three times to remove this infirmity, this weakness from me. And every time God would say what? My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Everybody say perfect in weakness. Paul said this, therefore I will boast in my weakness that the glory and the power of God might be seen and demonstrated in my life. I don't say that we go around getting a victim mentality. We don't go around saying, you know, like, looking like hee-haws, hound dog, look like all someone looked like all the red off our sucker and going around moping around. And Sometimes we get that mentality and we think we're spiritual. You're just defeated. When you go around, oh, I'm just the devil's been on my back all day. Take the saddle off. Come on. Take the saddle off. Quit giving him a ride. Get that mentality out of your head. I'm not saying that you go around boasting of what you can do, but in the strength and the power of God that God is working through your weakness and through your dilemmas and through your ailments and through all the frailties of your life that God's glory is being seen by the world through you about what he's doing in you. Because the world looks at us and says, you'll never make it. When you're going through a problem and they see the weakness and they see the frailty, they'll say, oh, this is going to be what's going to kill them. Let's see what God does for them now. And when God comes through, <laughs> whoo, I don't get the glory, they don't get the glory, but God gets the glory. And they will see that. Because why, why God don't want us to boast? Because pride brings weakness. Humility brings strength. God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace, strength to the humble. Are you with me this morning? So regardless of our hardships, listen, regardless of our hardships that we face in this life, as a man, we, we experience the life, we as a man can experience the life and the power of God in every situation. Are you with me? 
We have this treasure in earthen vessel that the excellency of the power of God may be of us. Now I want you just real quickly, just stay with me. Go up to verse four, chapter 4, verse 1. We'll tie this together with this scripture and, and we're going to go back in just a moment in chapter 3. So hold your Bibles. Chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. Therefore, seeing that we have this ministry, we have received mercy, we faint not. Okay, now hold on. Therefore, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, what ministry is it talking about? He's referred to something that was said in the, the prior conversation. If someone says to you, therefore, it's related to what I just said before that. So we've got to go back and find out what the apostle said about the ministry that we have received of him. Are you ready? Now, now look, go back, look to chapter 3. Look at the, about verse number, uh, let's say, let's look at verse number 13. And not as Moses, which put a veil on his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. Now what, what, what's he talking about? And you're going to read it here in a moment. It's talking about that when Moses received uh, the commandments, Moses was in the mountain of God. He was in the presence of God. He was in the presence of God so much and so long that the Bible says that he had to wear a veil over his face because the people could not steadfastly look upon him because of the glory of God that had came upon him on a physical body. Are you with me? How many know, know the story? Moses had received the Word of God. He had talked with God. He knew the ways of God, the Bible says. He knew, of, he knew of God. He walked with God. And so he had to have a veil, something to block his face when he talked to the people. Excuse me. You could not look at a, a, a mortal man that had so much of the tangible glory of God upon his physical body that you as a man could not look at him. And that's why he had to wear a veil. And the Bible says that same veil, when it comes to the reading of the Word of God, which that exposes or reveals who Christ is in the New Testament, It, re it revealed him in the old, it revealed him in the new. And the Bible says this glory that Moses had, the glory that was to be abolished. Now watch this. But their minds blinded for until this day remain of the same veil untaken in the reading of the Old Testament. Now we know that the reading of the Old Testament was a foreshadow of things to come. It was, it it was talking about him who was to come. So when Moses preached the Bible, when Moses preached the Word, and Moses declared the Word of God, what was he doing? He was declaring that there's one coming. And the Bible says that veil, it's a veil that they could not see. They could not see the Christ. They could not see the, the gospel that showed that Christ was the one. Now watch. In the Old Testament, which veil had been done away in Christ. The veil that was on the face and the veil that was in the hearts of the people that kept them from recognizing who Jesus is. The Messiah that was to come. The hope. The God of Israel. The God that had brought hope to them. They could not see it because their hearts were veiled because of unbelief. We know that. But let's go on here. But even until this day when Moses has read, the veil is still on their hearts. Oh, but hold on. Hallelujah. 
Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord. I'm about to get my Pentecostal shout on right now. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now watch this. Now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty or freedom. But we, watch this, watch this. But we all with open face as beholding in a glass, a mirror, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same glory, in the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of God. So here, let's break it down. Moses had to wear a veil when he preached and talked about God the Ten Commandments and so forth, which represented Christ was to come, the hope that was to come. And their hearts, because of blindness of their hearts, they could not see Christ. They could not see the gospel. And Moses, who had been full of the glory of God, had to cover his face with a veil because of the glory of God, because the people couldn't stand to look at the glory, the physical. What it was, it was the presence of God was on Moses. The manifest presence of God was around Moses. And the people couldn't stand to look at it. But the Bible says that glory was done away with. <laughs> oh, my, 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 my. In other words, God was saying, I, I no longer will come upon you at times. I will no longer just visit you every once in a while. I won't just visit you when it's the day of atonement. I just won't visit you when I call Moses to the mountain. And, and I won't just come and be with you just at festivals and, 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 and this and that. But I want you to understand that in Christ, the Bible says, now the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. What's he talking about? God's saying, I'm no longer just coming upon man. I'm coming to dwell in man. Hallelujah. I'm coming to dwell in. Jesus said this, I shall be in you and with you. So what they're saying is we don't have to wait to come to church to be in the presence of God. We don't have to wait to the drum beat or the guitar beat or the certain music or a certain sound. I want you to understand that we can be in the presence of God 724 because he lives on the inside of us. The Bible says that where the spirit is, there's liberty. There should be liberty in you. There should be no bondage in you. Because he that is dwelling in the presence of God is, has fullness of joy. Come on, if you're in the presence of God, if God is dwelling in you, there's freedom. <laughs> you can't quit that smoking that cigarette. You can't quit cussing. You can be faithful. You can't quit gossiping. can't quit talking about people. You can't quit getting angry. You can't walk with joy. You can't walk with a new step. You can't walk with a different attitude. Why? Because if the presence of the Lord is inside of you, you have a liberty to overcome every bondage and every stronghold and every tactic of the enemy throws against your life. <laughs> Glory. 
Watch this. He said, the Lord's Spirit of the Lord is their liberty. But we all with open face. As beholding in a glass, an unveiled face, we're looking in a mirror. We're seeing ourselves. The glory of the Lord are changed into the same image. Do you realize that what happens is that when you're walking and dwelling in the presence of God, which should be a daily thing, that every day of your life that you should be changed into the glorious image of Jesus Christ. That's why Paul said, I pray again that Christ be formed in you, that you represent and you look like Jesus. We should be Jesuses walking around in the earth. I'm not calling you Jesus. You just act like Jesus. You talk like Jesus. You be like Jesus. You're affecting the world instead of the world affecting the church. Someone look at you cross-eyed and you get upset and say, I ain't never going back to that church no more. They didn't shake my hand. They didn't grip me. I brought colored toothpicks to the church picnic and they didn't put my name in the church bulletin board. I ain't never coming back. That preacher don't love me. Those people don't appreciate me. Get over your bad self. Get in God's presence. Because I talked about in the first service that when you get in God's presence, something happens, you begin to change. I said you begin to change. Something about you begins to change. You You are not what you used to be. And the Bible says we're changed from that glory to glory. Oh, my, my. Therefore, seeing that we have this ministry, we faint not. What ministry is it talking about? We have the ministry of God's Word and God's presence in earthen vessels. You are a a walking testimony of God's power, of God's grace, of God's glory, of God's deliverance, of God's freedom, of God's forgiveness. You are a walking billboard to the world because you're dwelling in the presence. Bible says you have this ministry. So we're called the we're in the ministry. So it goes on and says, talks about if your gospel be hid, it's hid to those that are lost. It goes on down here. Now listen. And the Bible says, verse 7, now we have this treasure in earthen vessel. The treasure is God's presence. It's God's word. Do you, have, do you realize that you have a treasure in you? You're, look, you never say, I'm looking at a treasure. That was weak. Say it again. Say, you have a treasure in you. Come on, class participation. Look at your neighbor, shout and say, you, have a, you, have, you are a treasure. Now watch this. You have this treasure in earthen vessels. That the excellency. Now, I love this. Because it's going to tie in the next few verses and I'm, I'm going to wind this down. The Bible says you have this treasure, God's presence, God's word in your life so there's freedom in you. You have the ministry of, of the word of God and God's presence in your life, freedom. And then the Bible says you have this, the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Do you know what the word excellency means here? It means to throw beyond. Everybody say to throw beyond. Say it a little louder, say, to throw beyond. You have this treasure in earthen vessel that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of... It's a power that throws you beyond. 
some of you are going to get this about lunchtime and you're going to choke on your chicken. Come on. You're going to get this about noontime tomorrow and you say, oh my God, I understand what he's talking about. I have inside of me, everywhere I go at work, at the hospital, at the graveside, it don't make no difference what life throws to me. I have the presence of God in me. I don't, I'm not going to succumb to the situation, but the situation is going to succumb to the freedom and the liberty that I have inside of me. Jesus would walk into a place where there was a funeral. Jesus walked into a place where there was funeral and there was crying and weeping. He said, what are you, what are you doing? She ain't dead. And they all started, went from crying to laughing. And he put them all out because he was in charge. He didn't say, whoa, oh, sorry guys, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, I'll leave. No, no, he came in to say, I'll take it over because God is in the house. <laughs> and the Bible says this excellency is this a power that throws you beyond. Well, that don't really mean much to you until you read the next verses. We are troubled on every side, yet not in distress. <laughs> we are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus might be made manifest in my body. Mm, for we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We have in the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe, therefore have I spoken, we also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise us up also by Jesus, who shall present us with him. Now, what what you say? Paul was saying this. We have this ministry, not as Moses who had just a temporary glory in the presence of God and lifted. We have the ministry of his abiding presence always with us. And because we have his presence and we have his freedom, that no matter what life throws to me, no matter what situations come my way, and, and, and they're going to come, I want you to understand that you may be perplexed, but you are not distressed. You may be cast down, but you're not destroyed. Why? why, why, why how, can, how can I do that? Because there's something on the inside of me that won't let me lay down and die. <laughs> There's something on the inside of me that says, I will make it. I can make it. I will not give up. I will not back up. I will move forward in the name of Jesus. Because we have the presence of God in us. The Bible says, we're always dying. We're always bearing in this flesh. Dying problem situation. But the life of God is manifest in us. Oh, did you hear that? I know some folks here this morning, you're probably dealing with some heavy stuff in your life. You're probably dealing with some, some situations and dilemmas. It's just, it's, it's bewildered you. Left you scratching your head saying, my God, what am I going to do? God, what's the next turn? What's the next decision? Oh, God, help me. And seem like there's nothing happening. And that's your situation. Or maybe you're anticipating something's going to change in your life. I want you to understand that no matter where you find yourself at, 
God is with you. He's just not only with you. He's in you. And you can draw from that fountain. So when you find yourself in a situation, I remember one time I was, I was just young, I was about 18 years old, I was coming through the trailer, I was living with my mom and dad at the time, and I was coming through the trailer and, and, and everybody was gone and I just was praying in the, in the back room. So the hallway was kind of lightly dim and the living room light was on and so I'm coming through the hallway and and I just started through down the hallway, and I, you ever just felt like somebody's watching you? You ever felt that just like somebody's, somebody's here? You felt a presence. Well, that's what I done. I was, I was walking, and I, and I, felt, I stopped, and I felt a presence, and the hair stood on the back of my neck, and I knew it was the enemy. And I stopped for a moment, and I said, I recognize who you are. And I want you to understand, I, I never turned around, I just stood in the hallway and I said, I recognize who you are and I, I want you under, to know that you do not scare me, nor will I be intimidated by your presence. And I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, when I said that, you could literally feel it go, <laughs> I continued I just continued on about my business. I walked on in, I was walking in, and right before I got to the living room, I felt another presence. Oh, Lord, I wished I could shout like some of you. Like, Glory to God. I, I felt another, and when I stopped, I knew it was the presence of God. I threw my hand up there in the hallway, and I just started praising him, and I just started glorifying him. I said, Lord, thank you that I don't have to be afraid of the enemy or what the enemy tries to do. And the next thing you know, I was in the living room in the light. I will, if you can praise him in the hallway, God will bring you to the light. He'll bring you to the living room. Jack Hayford, pastor of a great church in California, said that went on the doorway of his, of his sanctuary to go into the sanctuary of their church. It's called the living room. That's what they named it, the living room. What a great place to be in the living room, in the presence of God. Guess what? You're in the living room. You're living in his room. <laughs> He's living in your room. And I want you to understand that you have the presence of God with you. So if you're by yourself, I want you to understand you're not alone. He is with you. Will you stand to your feet with me? Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Hallelujah. Somebody here, you feel alone. You feel by, you feel by yourself. That's how you feel. You feel like you know you're saved, but you feel like I'm still by, I'm, I'm by myself. I feel lonely. And I just want you to understand, God just wants to refresh His presence on your life. He just wants you to know that He's here with you. He's for you, not against you. He has a plan for you. You've got a plan to overcome. Amen? You're not going to be defeated. Understand that you're weak in the terms that without Him I can do nothing. But with Him, I can do all things through Christ. Amen? So if you're here this morning you say, that's me. I feel like I'm alone. I'm saved. I love the Lord, but I feel like I'm alone. Let God's presence be renewed in your life. 